Well, good morning, Christ Church. I'm Pastor Jamie Kendra. I'm the family pastor here at Christ Church, and it's such a privilege to be speaking with you this morning. I have a ridiculous request to make right now. Um, we are going to be talking about marriage today, okay? And so if you're married and you're not sitting next to your spouse right now, and they're in the same row with you or they're like a kid over, I want you to physically lift your child up, move them. Uh, I'm not kidding. I want you sitting next to your spouse. So I, I, go ahead, get up, do it. I want all married folks next to each other. All right, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Don't worry. Everybody's looking at me. They're not looking at you. All right. And, and the reason I'm making us do that is because it is so important for us as couples to be one, to be unified. It's important for our kids to see us worshiping together. It's important for our kids to see us smooching. It's important for our kids to see what a healthy relationship looks like, broken in everything. So thanks for moving your seats. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much. And God, I'm going to convict and ask that each of these couples, instead of just sitting next to each other, Lord, may they just feel convicted by you right now to put their arm around their spouse or to hold their hand right now through the whole sermon, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts in exactly the way we need to hear you because there's a lot of us in this room right now who are very broken. And God, the only solution to any of this is you and your completion of us. Because when we entered into this covenant of marriage, it was not just with two people, us and our spouse. It was with you as well. And so God, as we dive into your word this morning, convict our hearts, speak to us, minister to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to make it very clear. And Michelle, don't say amen. I am not an expert in marriage, all right? I, I want you to know this very honestly, that, that when I'm working on this sermon and preaching to you, God's preaching to me too. We're figuring this thing out. Marriage is a beautiful, incredible, awesome gift from God, but it's hard. It's not always easy. You think back to the time when we first got married or when we were dating, we were on our A game. We always smelled nice. Our hair looked good. Some of us had hair. You know, it was a different time. And we looked at each other differently. And, and you know, then time goes on and our bodies started making noises that we didn't know each other's bodies made. And we discovered things about one another. And somehow along the lines of marriage, it it can sometimes get stale and crusty. And, and I'm here to tell you this morning, church, listen to me. It's not supposed to be that way. That's the busyness of the world. That's sin. That's the brokenness of this world. Stealing from our marriage is the joy that God meant it to be. You can amen to that. God designed marriage to be a beautiful thing between a husband and a wife. And in the church today, we have a terrible problem of people quitting on their marriages. And we as believers, we as followers of Christ, have committed to something bigger than that. Last week, Pastor Jared brought us a fantastic sermon on, on, on this first part of this verse found in Ephesians when he talked about the proper way for us to love and respect one another. I know all the men were hoping that he would stop with wives, submit to your husbands, but he didn't. He continued to talk about the way that that is not just meant for one of us, but we're mutually to love. We're mutually to respect one another in the same way that God loved the church. 
And this morning we find in Ephesians 5, at the close of this passage, it says these words, and I want to just reinforce this. It's directing it at the husband, but as we learned last week, this passage is directed at all of us. And it says these words in Ephesians 5. I know we just heard it, but I'm going to read it again. Um, Excuse me. Here it is. 20, after all, no one ever hated his own body. Okay, 27, at this present time, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his wife loves himself. And after all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. You know what's crazy is in the Bible, there's only a few passages, and I think Pastor Jared talked about this last week, that really talk about marriage specifically. But that verse that we just read, and I'm going to read it again, it says these words, um, that in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. Now, the way that Jesus loves the church in that passage tells us every single thing we need to know about marriage. Because you see, God, or Jesus demonstrates for us love. He demonstrates for us how we are to live and to be affectionate and to cherish and to care for one another. I was so blessed this week um, in a tragedy when... One of our dear loved ones, Shar Hamilton, passed away suddenly. And I reached out to, to the family just to say, hey, I, I, there's no words. And I, and I got a hold of Shar's son-in-law, and I called and just said, how's the family? How can we be praying? And, and he said, you know, this is a tough one, buddy. He said, they've, Jim, the, the husband, they've been married 53 years, and, and I just loved the way he loved her. What an incredible testimony to a beautiful story that a son-in-law is inspired by the love of a father-in-law for his wife. When people look at your marriage church, can they say that type of thing? Because when we stood before God, we made a promise that we would honor, love, and respect and cherish one another. And we made a covenant before him. And it's so funny because over the years, things get in the way and we allow the busyness of our schedule and even some really good things like church activities, work and kids and things like that. It draws our attention away from a significant and important relationship. And that's the relationship of husband and wife. So how do we stay married? I don't have answers for you, but I know where we can get them. What does a healthy relationship look like? Well, let's take a look at this video. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and will always persevere. Love never fails. Do our marriages resemble that story? 
when we think about the way we love one another, can we say that we are being obedient to God in all of these things? That's heavy, isn't it? You know, I was really blessed. I was reminded of the 53 years of marriage of, of Jim and Shar. We had a couple over in the sanctuary this morning that had been married 60 years. They had a blessed time. And not all of us know how long we're going to have. You may have 50, 60 years of marriage. but You may have a week, a day. You don't know how long you have left in your marriage. And you stood before God and you made a promise to love and to cherish one another. Are you doing that? Are you honoring God by loving your spouse in the way that Jesus loved the church? Think about that. So where do we look when it comes to marriage? Where do we look for an example? Well, there's all kinds of couples in Scripture that we see. And one of the couples I'm reminded of right away is David and Bathsheba. You know, their marriage didn't start on the best of grounds, you might say. It was pretty bad. But you know, David was known as who? The man after God's own heart. And what that proves to us, no matter how screwed up or broken or or far gone your life you may think is, God can redeem you. God can redeem your marriage. God can heal your marriages. You're not going to be able to do any of it. There is no solution outside of Christ. And David and Bathsheba, David reached out to God and he lamented to God. We look at Jacob and Rachel. Jacob worked for 14 years to win the hand of Rachel. Do you think back to that time when you were still dating your spouse? And guys, how all you can think about was how I can woo this lady to say yes. Or ladies, how you used to doll yourself up because you knew that man was coming over. Or you were going to hang out. Why does that die away? Jacob and Rachel, Jacob worked 14 years. I think of Elkanah and Hannah. Knowing his wife's thoughts and fears, Elkanah put his needs aside for the needs of his wife. We see Queen Esther and King Xerxes, where Esther had a very severe disagreement with her husband, but lovingly went to him and said, this is wrong. She didn't belittle him. She didn't attack him, but lovingly stood up for what was right and in essence loved her husband by being honest. We think of Ruth and Boaz. Boaz redeeming Ruth, being that kinsman redeemer for Ruth. Men, are you redeeming your wives? Do you build her up? Do you lift her up with words? Or do you tear her down at every chance you get? I I tell a lot of my pre-marriage counseling couples this, that sarcasm in dating is flirty, but in marriage it's very hurtful. And that may be true for most of you. But are you saying things that are positive? Are you lifting one another up? Wives, are you lifting up your husband? Are you being like that new Tarzan commercial? Where Tarzan is not the king of the jungle. Let your husband be the king of the jungle. 
love one another, respect one another. We look at, this one is incredible, Mary and Joseph, a marriage that started off under scandal. But yet Joseph sacrificed his reputation, he sacrificed his whatever to wed this woman, this this scandalous woman who was pregnant with a child who we know is Jesus. But man, that's a great one to Monday morning quarterback on. Joseph didn't know it, didn't have all of the information we have now, but he knew this. He cried out to God and God said, trust me, it's all good. When God tells you to trust him, trust him, just like Joseph trusted him. And then we think of Adam and Eve. It says in Genesis 2 that, Adam and, that Eve was created for Adam, not to be a pain in his side, but it says God removed a rib from Adam to create a helpmate. A partner, a perfect partner for Adam. And it was good. It goes on to say in Genesis 2 that they ran around naked in the garden and they weren't ashamed of it. They weren't ashamed of being the couple that God made them, even in their nakedness. So what do we see from these couples in Scripture? Well, we see a couple of things. And again, this is not a self-help sermon. I'm not telling you how to fix your marriage with 10 key steps. Because only God can fix your marriage. But these are attributes we see when we look at these stories in Scripture. And they're attributes I want us as a family ministry to really adopt for our church. And the first one, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Put it on your refrigerator. Is we've got to, in our marriages, keep God first. It's not profound at all, is it? But isn't it amazing how quickly God can become second in our marriage? Did you know the most important relationship in your marriage is not your relationship with your kids? It's not your relationship with your spouse. It's your relationship with God. Because as we've built up to this moment, we've been talking about your relationship with God is so significant. And if your relationship with God is not right, your relationship with your spouse will not be right. And if your relationship with your spouse will not be right, your relationship with your kids can't be right. I know those are bold words, but it's the truth. Keep God first in your marriage. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord, not your own understanding. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. And Matthew 22.36-40 through 40 gives us the great commandment where God tells us two things that we're supposed to do. What are they, church? Come on. What are they? We're to, we're to love God and we're to love others in that order. You can't love your spouse the way Christ loved the church unless you first love God. Does that make sense? It's, it's like trying to set sail on a ship that doesn't have the bottom to it. <laughs> You're destined for trouble. So we've got to keep God first in our marriages. The second thing we need as couples is we need to love and respect one another. When you look at these couples in the Bible, there was love and respect. We need to love one another. Romans 10.12 tells us that everyone belongs to Him. That every person who's created is a creation of God. And, and, and I want you to look at your spouse right now, right in the eyes. And I don't want you to look back up here until I tell you. I, I mean it. Do it. I'm serious. Okay? Look at each other. When was the last time you looked at that person and saw the daughter of God that she is? When was the last time you looked at that person and saw the son of the king that he is? Okay, you can, you can stop looking at each other. Unless you don't want to. Okay? <laughs> 
You just got to keep paying attention. When is the last time you looked at that person and said, I love this about you. I love your whimsy. I love how you don't have hair. I love that you brush your teeth before I wake up in the morning and before you smooch me in the morning. When was the last time you just told each other why you loved each other? Do you demonstrate respect? Are you united in front of the kids? Because I'm going to tell you right now, we're to keep God first in our, in, our, in our marriage, and we're to love and respect one another. How did Christ love the church? This is how Christ loved the church. We look at John 13. Jesus, the Son of God, very God, He is God, fully God, fully man, came down from heaven and knelt before man in John 13, and He washed their dirty, grimy feet. Husbands, When's the last time you loved your wife like that? Where you knelt down and you washed her grimy feet? Wives, when was the last time you knelt down and washed the grimy feet of your husband, which we know a lot of them could probably use anyway? You know, put the actual foot washing aside, but think of the humility it took for the king of everything, the creator of everything, to come down not only to die for us, but he knelt and washed the feet of those he loved. Do we love each other that way? Do we show respect by serving one another? So we got to keep God first. we got to love and respect one another. And here's my favorite one, and this is one we as Christians oftentimes miss a lot. We're supposed to have fun. Married people, stop being grumpy. There's a reputation out there that if you want to make your life miserable, get married. That's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. And unless we, the people of God, begin to live in such a way to demonstrate how amazing marriage actually is, they're going to keep believing that in the world. Marriage is meant to be fun. In Genesis 2, Adam and Eve ran around butt naked around God and they were not ashamed. That's funny. You can laugh. It's okay. God created us to have fun. And in church, listen to me. I love that scene where Carl and Ellie, Ellie's on her deathbed, and in comes a little log tied to a balloon. Do you know what that moment was? It was before the clip I showed you, but before that, when they met, that was the way that they met each other. When was the last time you ridiculously flirted with your spouse? When was the last time you gave a playful slap on the bum? Or smooched in front of your kids in a very romantic, polite kind of way? Do your kids see a healthy example? Do your grandkids see a healthy example of what a marriage should be? Because we need to love and respect one another enough to do that. We need to have fun in our marriages. Listen to me. Kids, cover your ears, earmuffs, real quick. Parents, have more sex! I said it! You're supposed to be, okay, kids, go like this. You're supposed to be intimate with one another. God gave that to you as a mutual gift, and it says in 1 Corinthians that it's not a weapon. It's not a weapon. It's given to you for your mutual enjoyment. Single people and young folks, hang on. That's not a statement for you. So married people, be intimate with one another. Have fun. That's why God gave us one another. Do you enjoy laughing with your spouse? 
Proverbs 5.18 says, May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice with the wife of your youth. Time is a monster. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Don't make me break that jar out and make you all cry again. You have a limited amount of time with your spouse. You have a very limited amount of time with your spouse. Have fun. You know, I look at Ellie and Carl, and he was a balloon salesman, and marriage has its ups and downs, right? That was bad. Marriage has its ups and downs. But listen to me. God wants us to laugh and enjoy one another more. Okay? So we're going to keep God first. We're going to love and respect one another. We're going to have fun. And last, this is the most profound one of them all. Imagine this. Honor the promise you made to God. Do you remember the promise you made to God? Do you remember coming before that pastor at that church? Maybe it was here. Maybe it was me. And here I stood with my little marriage book in hand. And you and your dad or you and your buddies came down the aisle. And we came before this cross and we performed something amazing. It's a ceremony where we talked about a covenant of marriage. And so, if we're going to get serious about our marriages, we have to remember the promises that we made to one another. And as you came down that aisle, some pastor or somebody said, Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of God to witness and bless the joining together of this man and this woman in holy matrimony. The bond and the covenant of marriage was established by God in creation. And our Lord Jesus Christ adorned this manner of life by his presence and first miracle at the wedding in Canaan of Galilee. It signifies to us the mystery of the union between Christ and his church. And Holy Scripture commends it to be honored among all people. The union of husband and wife and heart, body, and mind is intended by God for their mutual joy. Did it say misery? What did it say? Joy. Joy. Have fun. It's intended for their mutual joy, for the help and comfort given one another in prosperity and adversity. And, and just let me define adversity to you. When things aren't going right. When financially maybe you're strapped. Or maybe one of you mess up. You are going to have adverse times In your marriage. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a death of a loved one. Stop quitting on your marriages. Because you stood before God. And according to what we do in the wedding ceremony. You agree to in in good times and in bad times. To honor that covenant with God. That means that you're going to have to wake up some mornings church. And you're going to have to say to yourself and God. Today, God, I have to choose to love my spouse because I'd really like to fire them down a flight of steps. I hope you never say that, actually. But the reality is there's days where it's tough to be married. And as believers in what we say in this book and what we committed to here, we promise God in the good times and in the bad times, we are going to choose to love our spouse. Amen? All right. For the help and comfort given one another in prosperity and adversity, and when it is God's will for the procreation of children and their nurture and the knowledge and the love of the Lord. Therefore, marriage is not to be entered into unadvisedly or lightly, but reverently, 
deliberately and in accordance with the purpose for which it was instituted by God. Those are some heavy words. Then that preacher looked at you both and he said, into this union today we bring you and your spouse. But it didn't stop there. It continued on. Because then we ask you a question, see. I would ask the person, I said, will you have this man, this woman to be your husband, to live together in the covenant of marriage? Will you love him, her, comfort him, her, honor and keep them in sickness and in health and forsaking all others, not meaning have a fling on the side, but forsaking all others, be faithful to them as long as you both shall live. And do you know what you said? If you got one of these on your hand, you said, I do. You said, I will. And you formed a covenant with God. It didn't stop there because we then continued. And you repeated after the pastor and you said, in the name of God, I take you to be my spouse, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse. It's a common theme. You see that? For richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. This is my solemn vow. You're making a vow to God. And then the preacher would say, you know, can I have the rings? And if you're married, you've got one of these. This isn't just so you can have a nice diamond. This isn't just so you can cut your finger at work on a machine. This this is a, a, a symbol of the vow that you made, of a promise you made to your spouse and to God. It's circular on purpose because, see, this vow doesn't end. It doesn't stop. It's not broken. It shouldn't be broken. And you wear this ring as a reminder of how good God is and how he has blessed you with the blessing of your spouse. And you would say these words. You would say, I give you this ring as a symbol of my vow. And with all that I am and all that I have, I honor you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then the preacher would say, and now that so-and-so have given each other with a giving of rings, I pronounce them husband and wife. And then you would smooch and everybody would clap. And then you would start thinking, am I smooching too long? And she's probably thinking, he's not smooching hard enough. And that's how it goes. But you came before God. You had a a multitude of witnesses, just like our baptism here today. Baptism is beautiful because it invites the family to be a part of a story that these families are trying to tell. That there's an inward change, and I want to follow Jesus. And when you stand up here and, and you're married, you're saying to all the people who came to witness, you're saying to God that I will love this person And I will stick with them through hard times. I will stick with them through good times. And I will fight for this marriage. Now listen, there's sometimes, there's just, there's unreconcilable things that take place within our human realm. And I'm going to tell you, God can heal those. But there's a lot of brokenness that takes place. And our relationship with the Lord has got to be in a right place. Because if our relationship with the Lord is in a right place, we are going to be able to love and to honor one another the way that Christ desires for us to. And I'm going to tell you what, if you've got a great relationship with God, I don't care what's going on in your life. It can be hard, you can be sick, you're still going to have fun doing it. It may not be all happy-go-lucky, but you're going to delight in what God has for you. 
And you're going to find that honoring that promise that you made to God and to your loved one, it's not going to be that hard. In fact, you're really going to enjoy it. And not only are you going to enjoy it, your children are going to enjoy it. Your nieces, your nephews, your parents. Those who are watching you in your marriage are going to see God reflected in you. And by the way you love each other, they'll know who God is. That makes sense, church? Simple enough, right? We need each other on this one. We need to help strengthen and pray for one another. So I commit to you with my wife right here that we're going to honor God by keeping Him first. We're going to honor God by loving and respecting one another. We're going to honor God by having fun while we do it. And we're going to honor God by honoring the promise that we made Him. Will you join me in that? Father, we love you. We pray, God, that you will remind us often of the blessing that marriage is between a man and a woman. That you designed it on purpose, not as a burden, but as a blessing. We thank you for the children and the families that you've given to us, God. And so, as we commit our marriages to you, Lord, I pray that you would do something remarkable this morning in the hearts of these families as these people are cuddling in this sanctuary. Praise the Lord. Work in their lives, God. We pray for healing in those hurt places. Where we need to ask for forgiveness, God, give us the conviction and the strength to humble ourselves just like you humbled yourself and to say, I'm sorry. And to ask for forgiveness. And if we've been offended against God, give us the the grace and the mercy to be able to say, love keeps no record of wrongs. Help us to not keep score, God. Help our marriages. Help us to not quit. Send people into our lives to intervene. Send strength. Help us to fall madly in love with one another again because of what you've done for us, not because of who we are. I thank you for my wife, Michelle. And the unconditional love she gives me in those good moments and those bad moments. So before we go into singing, I want you to take a moment. I want you to grab the hand of your spouse. And whether it's out loud or quiet, I don't care. I want you to pray for your spouse. Take turns. Pray for your spouse right now.